I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. We are continuing in our sermon series titled Fit Faith. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. He said, for the training of the body has limited benefit, uh, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and the life that is to come. Spiritual fitness Growing in godliness, becoming more like Jesus is beneficial for us and those around us. God wants our faith to be fit. A fit faith helps us to be who God wants us to be. A fit faith helps us to do what God wants us to do. A fit faith helps us to join God in his work in our lives and those he places around us. A fit faith helps us to join God in his work in this world. A fit faith helps us to walk in our victory in Jesus Day by day, God wants our faith to be fit, but God makes our fit faith as well by the power of his Holy Spirit at work within us. Thankfully, God has given us a spiritual workout plan in his word. As we practice and engage in the spiritual exercises and disciplines that we see in God's word, our personal trainer, the Holy Spirit, works in us and develops in us a fit faith. As we surrender to God, as we spend time with God, God transforms you and me by renewing our minds on the truth of his word so that we can know and follow his good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. And so as we get back into this passage in Acts chapter 2, Luke the author, let's do a quick reset so that we can remember uh, what we've covered and we can also be able to see where we're going. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus happened just as Jesus said it would happen. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, appeared to his apostles and followers for 40 days. Jesus told them, among other things, that once he left them, that God the Father would send the Holy Spirit to dwell in them and be with them. Jesus ascended into heaven. God sent his Holy Spirit, just as Jesus said would happen. The first church in Jerusalem was born. Peter preached a sermon there at the very genesis of this church on the topic of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and faith in Jesus as the only way into a relationship with God. 3,000 folks who were part of the crowd on that day listening to that sermon were convicted by God of their sin against God. They repented of their sin. They confessed their sin to God. They believed in Jesus. They turned and placed their faith in Jesus. They were baptized in obedience to Jesus, and they joined the church in Jerusalem all in one day. What a day that must have been. God's power was at work in this church family in Jerusalem years ago. He was at work in their relationships, in their lives, in their ministries. The believers in Jerusalem had a fit faith. 
These believers in Jerusalem years ago serve as an example for you and me today. So I want us to continue identifying these godly spiritual disciplines or exercises, if you will, that God wants each one of us to either make, renew, or increase in our lives so that God, by the power of his spirit at work in us, can continue to produce in us a fit faith. And so as we look in Acts chapter 2, we pick up in this first discipline, this first spiritual exercise uh, is be biblical. Luke wrote in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We covered this discipline a couple of weeks ago, and so I'm not going to spend a long time on this discipline in particular. What Luke told us was these believers, these men and women in the first church in Jerusalem, they continually, daily, devoted, committed, and gave themselves to the apostles' preaching and teaching of God's Word. God wants you and me today to devote ourselves to the truth of his word, to the preaching, teaching, the reading, and the studying, and ultimately the obeying of his word. As we get in God's word, God's word gets in us. God uses his word as the main vehicle to grow us spiritually in our faith in Christ. We see that God uses his word to build up our faith muscles. God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. God's word helps us to think, feel, and act biblically. God's word is a trustworthy foundation for our lives and our relationships. The preaching and teaching of the truth of God's word is a mark of a healthy, spiritually fit New Testament church. Obedience to God's word is the mark of a healthy, spiritually fit follower of Jesus Christ. And so it makes sense on many levels but we'll just start with this first obvious level. It makes sense on many levels that Luke would start, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, with this very first discipline, which is to be biblical. As we make our way through in this series, and as we identify these other disciplines and exercises, take note now that every one of the ones that we're going to discuss in this series spring from this very first discipline. They all spring from being biblical. So we need to focus in by the power of God's spirit at work in us, surrendering to him, spending time with him in his word so that we, by his spirit's power, can be biblical. So we see they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. These folks were being biblical in their lives, in the relationships. So let's look at the second discipline. The second discipline is be relational. Luke wrote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. These believers continually, daily, devoted, committed, and gave themselves to 
the fellowship. Fellowship here in the original language is the word koinonia, and it means community. It means partnership. Fellowship means sharing. Partnership, community, sharing. Fellowship means to have in common with. And so the order here is significant. The order here is intentional. And the order here is correct. Devotion to the apostles' teaching, then devotion to fellowship. And so we'll look at this and share some reasons why. First, the truth of God's word helps us to know how to be godly Men and women, fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, teenagers, children, brothers, sisters, grandfathers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, Christ followers, employers, employees, co-workers, friends, neighbors, classmates, teammates, and witnesses for Jesus. I just listed over 20 different types of relationships. And you and I fit into many of these categories. I would dare say every one of us fits into multiple ones of those categories. And there were many others I could have listed as well. This helps us to understand why Luke shared with us, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching first, then to the fellowship. This helps us to understand this in a little deeper way. The apostles' teaching helps us to understand God's truth. The preaching and teaching of God's word helps you and I to understand God's truth for our lives. We know God's truth is always first for us. So when we go to the word of God, we're going always first and foremost to hear what God has to say to us. God's word doesn't just inform us. Make sure that when you look into God's word, you're not looking at it just as an information source, which it is, but God's word doesn't just inform us. God's word transforms us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit takes the truth of God's word and transforms us to look like Jesus. God's word transforms or changes the way we live, love, lead, think, feel, act, and speak on a day-by-day basis. The apostles' teaching helps us understand God's truth. That's why it's first. The fellowship is where we live out God's truth. The teaching and preaching of the word is lived out in obedience by God in the fellowship that we have with one another in Christ Jesus. You see, God's truth is always first for us, but God's truth is always for those around us. As followers of Jesus, we are ministers for Jesus. And so here at the beginning of this summary statement of this church, we already see the Holy Spirit of God through Luke speaking to you and I, talking to us about being biblical and being relational and helping us to understand as followers of Jesus, we need to be in the word because we are ministers for Jesus. We're biblical and relational. 
He's helping us understand we, as ministers for Jesus, each one of us has a congregation that God has given to us as a follower of Jesus Christ, and it includes the people that God has placed around us that he wants us to bless, encourage, serve, and teach. And so we are part of one another's congregation. I'm a part of yours, you're a part of mine. If you turn to your right and your left, if you look front and back, you can understand and know that part of your congregation from Almighty God to you includes everyone that you see around you here in this fellowship. Our congregations also include all those God has placed around us at home, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, wherever we go. We are to walk as Jesus walked before them. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. We're to share the truth about Jesus with them. We're to be biblical and relational. So he's helping us understand this right away here, that we need to know God's word because we're going to be called by God to share and show God's word in our relationships. Their devotion, these believers that we're looking at, their devotion to one another ran deep because their devotion to God ran deep. Remember, they were devoted to God, then one another. They were devoted to God's truth, then God's team. This is the example that we are to follow right here from God's word through Luke to you and me today. This is not only our example, but let me share with you, this is the formula for successful relationships. Talking about being relational, talking about our relationships, this is the formula. It's right here in Acts 2 for you and for me. It's the formula for successful relationships. What am I talking about? It's simply this, God, then others. God, then others. Biblical, then relational. The apostles' teaching, then the fellowship. A successful relationships are built upon this premise, this foundation, God first, then others. If you trace back right here and right now to all of your different relationships, I would suggest that any relationships that you have right now that are currently broken, struggling, not working the way you want it to work, the reason at the very core is you or the other person or more than likely both have forgotten this formula. You've substituted your formula for your relationships, and that's the problem. Because you see, our formulas for our relationships is me, 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 and then way down the road, God and maybe others. Or we substitute a second formula, others, 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 and way down the road, there's God and 
maybe us. When we go away from God's formula, we're going to experience problems, challenges, difficulties. At times, it's because both in the party have forgotten about this formula. Other times, maybe one. Maybe you're focusing in on this formula, but the person you're in a relationship with isn't. And God will give you the strength and wisdom, the patience and love to minister to them, even if that's the case. But this formula works. And that's why Luke was sharing this with us when he shared with us, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. He's helping us understand if you want to be relational, if you want to have successful relationships, you need to be biblical. God's got to be first. And when God's first and others are second, watch what God does. Watch what he does. Because you see, when God's first, then we want to love that other in our relationships. We want to serve that other person in our relationship. We will be patient with them. We will persevere. We will show grace and mercy upon grace and mercy upon grace and mercy. We will make every effort to keep the peace as far as it depends on us with that person. And so we see how important this is for you and for me. God wants us to devote ourselves to his truth so that we can be effective members of his team. Jesus told us this. You know this as well as I do. Jesus told us this when he answered the question, what is the greatest commandment of all law? He said, the love of the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. What was he saying, God than others? That's what he was saying. Devote yourselves to God's truth, then to God's team. Devote yourself to God, then to one another. Here's what Luke is sharing with us. The, the key point he's trying to teach us here, kind of in a, in, in a summary way, maybe that'll help each of us take away and, and be able to hold on to this today and this week as it relates to being relational. What Luke is trying to tell us here is God wants us to be grounded and surrounded. He wants you and I to be grounded and surrounded. He wants us to be grounded in his word and surrounded by his people. He's first, others are second. When we're grounded and surrounded, we're able to experience the relationships that God wants us to experience. We're able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those God placed around us, whether they are to us or not. We can't force or control anyone else. It's what God wants for us and through us. So he wants us to be grounded and surrounded, devoted to his truth so we can be effective members of his team. Devoted to him, then to one another. God first, devotion to the apostles' teaching. Others second, devotion to the fellowship. Luke now, in this verse 42, he takes this summary in verse 42 and he expounds on it in verses 43 through 47 to give us more of a picture, a broader understanding when he talks about being biblical and being relational. He then gives us a broader picture of what this looks like in action. So let's join with Luke in verse 43. Uh, Luke wrote these words as he's expanding our view. Everyone was filled with awe. So being biblical and relational, here's what was happening because they were biblical and relational. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day, say that with me, 
Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They were having church, broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, say that with me. The Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So let's identify for these next few moments, let's identify a few points or truths about this fellowship that God wants to be true about our fellowship. A few points, truths that will help us understand what fellowship really means and what it's supposed to look like in action in a church family. I'll give you the answer ahead of time. I believe these points are active and can be seen within our fellowship here in our church family. I love preaching about this truth. I love preaching about being relational, being biblical. I love preaching about uh, this passage because it's one that I believe is happening here within our midst, just as it was happening years and years ago in Jerusalem. But I also believe God wants us to continue to increase our fellowship. And he wants his truth to become even more alive in us and in all those around us. So let's look at some points or truths about their fellowship years ago that God wants to be true about ours. The first is this. We are bound to one another. Fellowship means we're bound to one another. Fellowship means community. It means to have in common with. We have community together in Jesus. We are bound to one another by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are members of God's family, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So when we look at fellowship, we begin right here with this community that is ours in Christ Jesus. What does it mean? It means this. We have the same heavenly father. We have the same faith in Jesus. We have the same forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. We have the same focus on Jesus. We have the same future with Jesus. We have the same calling to follow Jesus. We have the same commission to go and make disciples for Jesus. We have the same purpose to become more like Jesus. We have the same guide, the good word of God's here, this Bible, the scriptures. We have the same help of the Holy Spirit. We have the same identification, baptism. We have the same ministry, service. We have the same privilege, prayer. We have the same praise to Jesus, and we have the same victory in Jesus. Therefore, since we are bound to one another, we should love one another and live in unity with one another because we have community together in Christ Jesus, and there is nothing that can break this community that is ours in Christ Jesus because no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. It's nothing. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. That means we should make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through our bond of peace that we have together in Christ Jesus. So as God's first and one another second will continue to see his grace and favor explode in our lives, in our fellowship, in our relationships, in all of our different congregations. This is the way God has designed it for you and for me. Second, we see we are built up by one another. We're not only bound to one another. The second point is we are built up by one another. 
There are over 31 another commands in the New Testament that can only be fulfilled by us being obedient to be relational. You know many of these. We're to comfort one another with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We're to encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of us is hardened by sin's deception. We are to forgive one another as we have been forgiven by God in Christ Jesus. We are to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of one another. We're to love one another as Christ Jesus loves us. We're to pray with and for one another, interceding on one another's behalf. We're to serve one another in love. We're to speak God's truth to one another in love. We are to watch out for one another, the author of Hebrews told us, so that we can spur one another on towards love and good works. Paul told us that as we have opportunity, we're to work together for the good of everyone, but especially for those who are of the household of faith. He's helping us to understand not only are we bound to one another, but we're built up by one another. This community that we have in Christ is to help us to become more like Christ. And what God wants us to understand, as Luke is sharing with us, we're biblical than relational. What God's telling us is the best way to build up one another is biblically. The best way we're able to build up one another is biblically. This is why, again, another reason why it's devotion to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. We need to fill up on God's word so that we can then share that word in an encouraging way to one another. It helps us to become more like Christ. What God is saying is he wants us to rely on his word in our relationships. He wants you and I to rely on his word in our marriages. He wants us to rely on his word in our families. He wants us to rely on his word in our parenting. He wants us to rely on his word in our workplaces. He wants us to rely on his word in our friendships. He wants us to rely on his word in our ministries. He wants us to rely on his word on a day-by-day basis wherever he leads us. And he specifically wants us to rely on his word in our relationships. What does it mean? It means this. Our counsel is to be biblical. Our confrontation is to be biblical. Our correction is to be biblical. Our encouragement is to be biblical. Our guidance is to be biblical. Our help is to be biblical. Our advice is to be biblical. Our support is to be biblical. When others come to you, they're hurting and they're asking for help. When you share and impart wisdom and truth to them, I hope and I pray that you are imparting that wisdom and that truth that is grounded and founded in the Word of God. That doesn't mean in a workplace you're to tell them, well, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 15, this is what the Lord said. Let me share this with you. Or you pull out your New Testament and hit them on the head. No. What I'm saying is when we're biblical, we're able to be relational so that when those opportunities come, we won't say things such as just trust your heart. 
your heart knows best. You just trust your heart and everything will turn out okay. Please don't ever give that counsel. Jeremiah told us our heart is wicked and deceitful. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? Our hearts have been devastated by sin. Oh, we need to trust God's word. We don't trust our feelings. We trust the foundation of the truth of God's word. And his word transforms our thoughts and our feelings. Our actions are words. So we understand how important this is. That as we share in these relationships, when we're in conflict as husbands and wives, one coming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, man, at some point in time, someone needs to stop the cycle. Call a timeout and say, let's get back to the Word of God. Let's see what the Word of God has to say. And let's focus in on trying to, to get back to the Word, which then would obviously produce forgiveness and, and humility and grace and mercy and patience. Because if we get back to the Word, we realize, wait, wait, wait a second. God is ever patient with me. He's always forgiving of me. He gives me grace and mercy when I don't deserve it. He forgives me through the blood his son shed on the cross of Calvary. Who am I to act the way I'm acting? Who am I to say what I'm saying? And then we immediately then go, say, forgive me. I lost sight. I lost sight. I made it about me. I created this conflict. I'm looking back to the Lord. And I need to ask for your forgiveness because I have refused to give to you what God so freely gives to me. And that's not right. That's being biblical and being relational. You know how quick the, con- you know how quick the conflicts would be Ended like that. That's what Luke was trying to tell us here. We're to devote ourselves to the teaching, to the fellowship. We're bound to one another. We're built up by one another. The third point is we're burdened for one another. Fellowship means partnership. It, it means sharing. In verse 44, we see Luke said, Now all the believers were together and held everything in common. That's sharing. Here's what we know as we read the expansion in verses 43 through 47. These believers had open hearts, hands, and homes. They practiced hospitality towards one another. There were many in the new first church in Jerusalem who were not from Jerusalem. They had traveled outside of Jerusalem to come to Pentecost, and they got saved, and they were in Jerusalem, but they didn't have anywhere to go. They weren't from Jerusalem, though they were staying in Jerusalem because they were connected to the church. And so those members in the first church in Jerusalem who were from Jerusalem opened their homes to their new brothers and sisters in Christ. They sold their possessions and property, and they took the proceeds, and they gave it to the apostles, and the apostles distributed it to all so that there weren't any needs within the church family. 
so that those who had need would be able to have those needs met by their brothers and sisters in Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we have a summary statement. The same thing is going on. This is a second summary uh, statement here in chapter 4. And he said in verse 32, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in, there it is again, common. Part of the fellowship. They were biblical, follow me, so they gave generously to God. They were relational, so they gave generously to one another. They knew that all they were and all they had was from God. They knew God was the owner and they were his stewards, his managers. They knew God gave generously to them, so they gave generously to God and to one another. And so God wants us today in our fellowship to have open hands, open hearts, and open homes, as so many of us do. He wants us to give generously to him. He wants us to be biblical. He wants us to be relational. He wants us to give to one another. He wants us to help one another, especially when there are needs. He wants us to come together and help to meet one another's needs. He wants us to build up one another, and he also wants us as members of the fellowship, to be burdened for one another. When one another rejoices, we all rejoice. When one another weeps, we all weep. We understand and realize that that's part of being part of the fellowship, part of the family. We have life in common. We have that community in Jesus, and that means all these different areas, the highs, the lows, and every step and stage in between. And then he pointed out on the fourth point there that we are blessed through one another. We're blessed through one another. When you look at this passage, you see their fellowship overflowed with God's blessings. They enjoyed God and his grace and favor in their lives. They blessed and were blessed by one another. They were celebrating God's power among them by giving God his praise. And God wants us to be blessed by and through one another. Our fellowship is overflowing with God's blessings. I want to invite you to our salsa contest tonight. If you come to the salsa contest tonight, if you come Wednesday night to our launching of our midweek activities and Bible studies for men and women, or if you come men to our men's conference this weekend on Friday and Saturday, I can assure you what's going to happen is you're going to see that our fellowship is overflowing with God's blessings. You will see it right there in action. And better yet, you'll be able to be a part of those blessings as you commit to our fellowship. Our fellowship is overflowing with God's blessings. We are enjoying God and his grace and favor in our lives and relationships. God is blessing us and he's using us to bless one another. And so what is our application this morning? Well, in particular, in a very specific and clear way that's going to be applied in many different ways, but in a very specific way, it's real simple. Be relational. That's what God's saying to you today and this week. Be relational. That's what he's saying to you in these moments, this afternoon, this evening, and throughout this week. Invest in the relationships that God has placed around you. Invest in those relationships that God's placed around you. Listen, God wants follow me, fellowship with us 
and for us in Jesus. And the order is intentional. God wants fellowship with us. That's first and foremost. God wants a relationship with you and me. The good news of the gospel tells us that though we are all sinners, that we've all said, thought, done, and desired things that are unpleasing to God, that are against God and the truth of his word. Though our sin against God separates us from God, and there's nothing we can do to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. Though we are in a desperate situation, we need help. We need someone who can take away our sin, someone who can bring us to God. We're not without hope and help because we know God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our sins. Jesus came to this earth years ago to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He satisfied God's requirement for a perfect and holy sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect and unholy could be made right with a perfect and holy God through the perfect and holy sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life on this earth. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died on the cross in our place. He paid the price for our sins. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and me. We are able to have that relationship with God by repenting of our sins, turning from our way of life, repenting of our sins and turning to God, confessing our sins to God, believing in Jesus and placing our faith in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. The Bible tells us that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God is able and mighty and desires to rescue you from the domain of darkness and transfer you into the kingdom of the Son he loves this morning. God wants fellowship with us. This happens by his grace through our faith in Jesus. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. If this is you, this is your time. If you do not have fellowship with God, if your testimony is, Mark, I, I just don't, I've never had that opportunity to have that relationship with God to place my faith in Jesus. I've never understood how that happens. Then today is the day of salvation for you. These prayer partners would love to introduce you to Jesus. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. God wants fellowship with us. And we have that in Jesus. Now, the second point is this, and this is for everyone in here who claims the name of Jesus. God wants fellowship for us in Jesus. He wants it with us in Jesus. That happens through our salvation. He wants it for us in Jesus. And that happens through our relationships with one another. So what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning is we're going to walk in the word this morning. We're going to be obedient to what God has been teaching us in his word this morning. We're going to take a step. I'm going to challenge you to take a step, I guess, You'll be the one who answers the challenge. I believe the Holy Spirit of God is leading us to, to take this step. It's a very specific way in which we can walk in his word, a way we can be biblical and be relational this morning. And so I want to encourage you here in just a moment as we stand and we begin this time of invitation, I'm going to encourage you to get out of your comfort zones. And that would be a little uncomfortable. I know not everybody may want to do this. And I understand God's speaking to you. You need to respond to the Lord as he's speaking to you, but I want to challenge my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning to be relational. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask you to go to two or three different folks. I'm going to ask you to go to them. And I'm just going to ask you to be relational, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's real simple. 
I'm going to ask you to go to them and say, I am thankful to God for you. Say that with me out loud. Man, that's an A plus. You can do it. Then I want you to do, just make one other statement. I'm thankful to God for you. I'm thankful for our fellowship in Jesus. Say that with me. I'm thankful. You got it. You got it. We're being biblical and we're going to be relational. The Holy Spirit's moving. He's working. He's speaking. If you want to receive that fellowship with God, we're ready. Our prayer partners would love to pray with you, pray for you. If you've got a burden, care, concern that you're carrying as you came into this room, then we would love to help lift that to the Father. That's the way we're being able to be relational is by praying with and for you. Then I'm also going to ask those who are ready, just walk in the Word, just step out, go, two or three folks, be relational. I'm thankful to God for you. I am thankful for our fellowship in Jesus. God's at work. Let's stand. And let's respond to him this morning in obedience.